0: All right, the book of Revelation, chapter 6. And of course, we did our initial work in Deuteronomy 32, where we have six of the seven seals described, and these things are all sealed up. And then we went to Daniel, and we found what is actually the first seal in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel chapter 9 where you've got the description of the 70 weeks of Daniel and the first 69 weeks of years which is 483 years starts on March the 5th 444 BC and ends on March the 30th 33 AD the first and it begins and this is what is prophesied on the day you start counting on the day the order is given to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And that order was given on March the 5th, 444 B.C. by Cyrus the Persian to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah went back to Israel and began the rebuilding of the walls and completed the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem. That's what the book of Nehemiah is all about. And, uh, but it was 483 years later, Lunar years, 360-day years, 173,880 days is the March the 30th, 33 A.D., the day of the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem, and that is the day Messiah presented Himself to the nation, and He had told He had, had been telling His disciples, "Don't tell any." When they would say, "You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God," He said, "Great, don't voice this, don't yell this out." But on that day, He said, "Now tell everybody." And he was greeted as he went entered in Jerusalem on the colt, the foal of a donkey. And the people are greeting him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And the Jewish leadership freaked out. This is blasphemy. Don't let them say that. Don't they. If they weren't saying it, the rocks would be crying it out. That was the day of Messiah's coming to them. And that was the end of this 483rd year. The 69th, seven. Of years the 70th 7 is this takes up most of the book of Revelation and it is the last seven years when judgment is called down on Israel and the nations of the world in order to drive them to repentance and we see this beginning in uh, Revelation Uh, chapter 5 we see the lamb taking the scroll out of the hand of him who sits on the throne and then chapter 6 verse 1 he begins to open the seals and we saw that first seal verses 1 and 2 let me just read these verses now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder come and see And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. He's given authority. And he went out conquering and to conquer. And as I indicated when we were examining this two weeks ago, this would be that, that seal from the book of Daniel. This is the fellow who's called the antichrist he's called the beast he's called the man of sin Uh, he's got all kinds of names in the scripture Uh, the antichrist is used in uh, John's letter first John Um, in the book of Revelation he is called the beast but here he is the white horse rider Uh, Verses 3 and 4, the second seal is open. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And the people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. This is warfare. This is incessant all over the earth. Verses 5 and 6, when he opened the third seal... I heard the third living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, a day's wage for a quart of wheat, and three quarts of barley. This is the poor people's grain for a denarius. And do not harm the oil in the wine. So the crops that would be planted year by year by year by year, they produce almost no harvest. But the ones that are planted, that are are vines or olive trees, they continue uh, producing uh, because they're not impacted as much uh, by drought. And we're going to see there's going to be an incessant drought during this time. Um, Verses 7 and 8. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse And the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed with him, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth. Now the them are the second, third, and fourth. They're the red horse rider, the black horse rider, and the pale horse rider over a fourth of the earth. To kill with sword, that's the red horse rider. With hunger, that's the black horse rider. And death, that's the pale horse rider. And by the beasts of the earth. And even in Deuteronomy 32, it says the beasts of the earth and the serpents will be attacking people. Verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren would be killed as they were was completed, And as you will recall, the very close of Deuteronomy 32 is these words. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. The very thing that is the close of God's message through Moses in Deuteronomy 32 is the very thing that these souls of the martyrs are crying out for from under the altar. So again, this is a seal from Deuteronomy 32 verse 12. I looked when he opened the sixth seal. And as I mentioned 2 weeks ago, the seal judgments actually cover the entire 7 years. We would tend to be, there's going to be 7 seals. There's 7 seals, 7 trumpets, and 7 bowl judgments. But the seal judgments cover the entire seven-year period. And what we find here is actually a description of the events of the Battle of Armageddon and the accompanying events. And that's the final event of the seven years. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. So you've got this, the earth being pummeled by meteorites slamming into the earth. Verse 14, then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island who has moved out of its place. This is going to be repeated in Revelation 16 when we have a description of the battle of Armageddon. The entire earth is going to... Well, there's an old... I think I quoted this too, There's an old Negro spiritual, to use the old terminology. This old world's going to reel and rock. And it's going to... Verse 15, And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. They are not going to be wondering what the cause of all of this earth being bounced around and everything moving out of its place. They're going to know the cause. And as we will see when we, in Revelation 19, why are they going to know? Because Jesus will have ridden out. They will see Him. And they will see the saints of every age filling the sky behind Him, all riding white horses. They're going to know fallen us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand no one can stand before him and we're going to see a beautiful statement here in chapter 7 that is essentially a reply to these men who are wondering who can stand Chapter seven verse one. Well, let me ask: Is there are there any questions before we move forward? Okay. Chapter seven verse one. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. The winds are stopped now why does that matter we're going to find when we get to chapter 11 well let me back up in chapter 10 john is going to be moved from heaven back to earth and he's going to see a an enormous angel standing with his right hand on the right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and he's going to be holding a book in his hand and he's going to be giving john more energy to be able to continue and the very next thing, chapter 11, is John is given the assignment of going to Jerusalem and measuring out the temple area, meaning it's guarded by God. And it's that's when it is disclosed to us that there are two witnesses there in the temple. But their ministry began on day one. It's actually a look back. What we are seeing here, and when we are... In Revelation 6, 7, 8, and 9, we're in heaven with John, witnessing the activity in heaven and being told about the results on earth. In chapters 10 and 11, we're joining John back on the earth and we find out what do the people on the earth, how do they know? All these catastrophic events are taking place But how do they know to understand that they are actually judgments from God and not just bad things happening? You know, earthquakes have happened before. Volcanoes have erupted before. How do they know that these are actually judgments from God? Because there are two witnesses standing in the temple in Jerusalem calling down these judgments ahead of time. Calling them down so that they know when these cat- catastrophes happen, that it's an act of God and it's not just some, oh boy, did we get born in the wrong generation? <laughs> no, it is an act of God bringing judgment on them to drive them to repentance. Well, one of the things we're going to find out in Revelation 11 is in that in the, the, these men, whose ministry covers the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation, that there is no rain on the earth during the time of their prophetic ministry. Well, one of those two witnesses is Elijah. Elijah never died. Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind to heaven, accompanied by a chariot, and his mantle fell off of him upon his servant, Elisha. And Elisha continued the ministry. But Elijah in his earthly ministry, way back when Ahab is king of Israel. We have never heard of Elijah. All of a sudden, he just shows up before the throne of Ahab and says, Hey, Ahab, you don't know who I am, but you're going to find out because it's not going to rain on Israel again until I say so. And Ahab's like, Yeah, well, whatever. And then that prophet disappears for three and a half years years. And there is no rain on Israel. There's rain on all the surrounding nations, but no rain on Israel for three and a half years. And Ahab is turning over every stone, every leaf in the Middle East, looking for this guy. And he can't find him until three and a half years later, he comes back. By the way, where has he been hiding out? Right near Jezebel's hometown, his Ahab's wife. He comes back. And he sends word to Ahab, you and all the priests and prophets of Baal are to meet me on top of Mount Carmel. And so in desperation, Ahab gathers all the hundreds of the priests and prophets of Baal to Mount Carmel and they have this contest. Baal, whose specialty, he's supposed to be the god of the storm. And that's Ahab's number one god. He hasn't, Ahab, Baal hasn't been able to make it rain for three and a half years. Well, what's his other specialty? Pouring fire down from heaven in the form of lightning. Okay, well, A- Baal hasn't done very well with the, the rain part, has he? Let's see how he can do with the lightning. And so they set up two altars, one to Baal, one to Yahweh. And for several hours, the priests and prophets of Baal are screaming out to Baal to pour down fire. They're even stabbing themselves. I mean, they're trying to do everything they can get it, do to get his attention, and it doesn't work. Finally, after several hours, Elijah says, stop it. (laughs) Now we're going to find out who the real God is. And he and his servants set up an altar, put the wood on it, put the sacrifice on it, bring barrels of water. The Mediterranean's within sight. They bring barrels of water, pour, and then he says, okay, Lord, show these people who the real God is. And God poured fire down from heaven that consumed the sacrifice, the wood and the altar. and the water, everything was consumed by the fire poured down from heaven by the God of Israel. And then Elijah turned to the people and said, you take care of those priests and prophets of Baal, and they killed every one of them, and they have fled. And then, it still hadn't rained. Elijah went to the top of the mountain and prayed and prayed, and then he saw the cloud coming up. And he sent word to Ahab, you better beat feet. Get going on that chariot back home or you're not going to make your... And in fact, Ahab got stuck in the mud. (laughs) But it had not rained for three and a half years. And that miracle is replicated. But it's not just local to Israel as it was in the days of Ahab. It will be all over the earth. No rain for three and a half years. Revelation chapter 7, verse 1, After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Well, what's that got to do with rain? If you stop the jet stream winds, you stop the rain. You'll still have evaporation. You'll still have clouds. You'll still have storms, but they will stay out over the seas and oceans. They won't be moved over the land masses. Verse 2, Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So they've done their job, but so far there's been no harm. That is why I, when I teach this, I tell people four things happen on day one of the seven-year tribulation. Number one, we know this from Daniel. Chapter 9, Antichrist, the beast, signs a seven-year mutual security pact with Israel. He signs an agreement with them guaranteeing their protection. That's in Daniel chapter 9. He signs this agreement, and it's a seven-year agreement. Second thing is, is, we're when we get to chapter 11, we're going to discover... Moses and Elijah show up in the temple and start calling down the plagues. Number three, invisible to the eyes of the people on the planet, but is the winds are stopped. But of course, on day one, there's been no harm yet. And the fourth thing that happens is what is disclosed here in verse 3. Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. 12 tribes, 12,000. 12 times 12 is 144,000. Two things I want to address here. Number one, you don't find the name... uh, ephraim joseph had two there is no tribe of joseph joseph's two sons became tribes ephraim and manasseh manasseh is named but not ephraim now why would that be probably because the northern kingdom of israel the 10 northern tribes were always led by the tribe a king from the tribe of ephraim and a hundred percent of the time they were in in rebellion against god So it's probable that we have the name Joseph in the place of Ephraim, even though it's the tribe of Ephraim, but it's like God's not ready to say Ephraim yet, (laughs) but he does name Manasseh. Another tribe that is not named is the tribe of Dan. Dan, remember there are actually 13 tribes. Twelve of them had land. One was the priestly tribe. That's Levi, and Levi is named. Dan was the tribe. If you read the book of Judges, that was the uh, leader in pulling the rest of Israel into paganism. And so, but they are named in the prophet Ezekiel as having kingdom possession, but they're not in this list, and that's the probable reason but i want to make it clear that's conjecture but the fact is they're not in the list but so there are 12,000 from each of these 12 tribes that are named okay so here is so what it, does this mean it means you've got 144,000 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of israel who on day 1 of the tribulation era are marked on their foreheads And what does this mean? It means they are set apart by God for His service. They're going to appear again in chapter 14 with Jesus in earthly Jerusalem. They're going to be surrounding Jesus. My suggestion is these guys who are sealed on their foreheads, they're going to become 144,000 Shadrach, Meshach, and Nabednegoes going throughout the whole earth preaching the gospel of the kingdom and they cannot be harmed they're sealed on their foreheads they have divine protection and that's why they show up with jerusalem with jesus in earthly jerusalem they're in chapter 14 yes that's fine go ahead Okay, what has happened? The church has been already taken out. We've been raptured. My, I want to make it clear, feeling a lot of people think rapture the very next day is the beginning of the tribulation. I don't think that's correct. I think there's going to be several weeks or months between the rapture and the inception of the seven year tribulation. In which God again... Okay, I pulled the church out. I'm and in In Romans 11, God makes this clear. He's going to take Israel, whom He's put on the shelf because of let His blood be upon us and upon our children. He shelved Israel as that divine people through whom He's presenting Himself to the world. He's put them on the shelf. He's replaced them with the church. This is Ephesians 2 and 3. Paul says... That God has made a new body of redeemed people, built on the foundation of the apostles and New Testament prophets. Well, what's the foundation of Israel? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What's the foundation of the church? The apostles and New Testament prophets. Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And then in chapter 3 of Ephesians, Paul says, the church, and he uses that word, was a mystery. It was a secret that God had. You don't find that anywhere in the Old Testament. Why? It was, God, it was God's secret. When he shelved Israel, what happened? Day of Pentecost, birthday of the church. He had shelved Israel at their own request. Let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And he began, he began to assemble a new body of redeemed people called the church on the day of Pentecost. And that will that's the that's who he is presenting himself to the world through until he takes the church out. And when we get to Matthew 24 on Sunday mornings in about three weeks. We're going to be looking at this. And we'll also be cross-referencing to 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. But right now he's presenting himself to the church. When he takes the church out, he's going to restore Israel. And the front line of that restoration and doing kingdom work will be these 144,000. Who will be going throughout the whole earth preaching the gospel and Moses and Elijah are standing there in the temple calling down these plagues. So he is driving the and that's not just Israel, it's the entire all the nations. As we're going to see that in this in the next paragraph of chapter 7. Okay. Verse 9. Okay, yes. No, this is one angel. This is a group of four who are still in, who are holding still the earth, eh, the, who are holding still the winds rather, and that the effect is that it brings harm to both both the land and the sea. But he's saying they've already started their work. They've already stopped the winds, but it hasn't had an ill effect yet because it's still day one of the tribulation, and then he puts the seal on the foreheads of these 144,000. So you've got one angel rising from the east, it says, who is speaking to these other four angels. And then he does his work. And as, he, as I stated, these 144,000 are going to show up again in chapter 14 surrounding Jesus for the team victory picture in, in the city of Jerusalem. Well, now notice this in verse 9. At the close of chapter 6, what did those men of every level who were hiding in the caves and rocks saying? Who can stand? Who can stand? This is the wrath of the one who sits on the throne and the wrath of the Lamb, and who can stand? Answer, verse, chapter 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Oh yes, there are people who can stand. Who are they? And crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation, deliverance, belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, to John, who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? This unnumberable people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Verse 14, And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. That's the last three and a half years. The time of terrific persecution. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and wash their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that amazing? The blood of the Lamb makes things white. <laughs> I just love that figure. Their robes, they've been washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The very one who was so frightening to all these men who had remained in rebellion. He's that lamb is not frightening to these who have been martyred, who are standing before the throne of God in heaven. Why? Because they were martyred. They were killed by those men who are now afraid of the one who sits on the throne and the wrath of the lamb, for the great day of his, the lamb's wrath has come. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. Remember the triumphal entry of Christ in Jerusalem? What did the people hold in their hands? Palm branches. A palm branch is perfect in its symmetry and it, is, it was used in the, car, in the wall carvings of the temple. It was used as a kingdom emblem because of its perfect symmetry. And so it was as they greeted Jesus in the triumphal entry. And so it is here before the very throne of God. They're holding palm branches in their hand. This is a kingdom emblem. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. Are they frightened by Him? No. They are... Dwelling in his presence and serving in his presence. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. I just, that is such a beautiful word. In the book of Revelation, we repeatedly find the expression those who dwell on the earth, those who dwell on the earth, those who dwell on the earth, and that is a frightening thing. Those who dwell on the earth are the ones who persist in the rebellion. But those who dwell before the throne of God, in, in John, same author as the book of Revelation, Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, face-to-face relationship with God, and the Word was God. Verse 12, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Same word, tabernacle, tented among us in the same way as in ancient Israel. The tabernacle was the place, what was at the core of the tabernacle? The glory of his presence. The Shekinah glory of God, the glory of his presence. Once a year, the high priest would go in there and he would go in with blood and Trepidation and he will dwell among us. What does John say in John 1? And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory. John speaking for himself and the other apostles. We beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father. And then the first of the seven signs of John's Gospel is his turning water into wine. And John says, and that was the first exhibition of glory. When we saw that God only could do this miracle. He will dwell among us. We are told... (laughs) What's it going to be like to be in the eternal reign and kingdom of our God? God. Did you know there's not going to be a temple? We're specifically told in Revelation 21 and 22, there's going to be a temple. He will dwell, he will tabernacle with each one of us in the same way, for eternity in the same way that Jesus dwelled with his apostles and they sat down and ate with him, they fellowshiped with him, they watched him, they heard him. We will be too. In his eternal reign he will dwell tabernacle with us we won't have to go to some tent or t- or building he will be with us Verse 15, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell tabernacle among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. It won't be like West Texas. (laughs) for the Lamb will be in the midst of the throne and will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The close of chapter 6, you've got those men quaking in fear at the presence of this Lamb, and here they are. He's carefully gently wiping the tears from why would they be have tears because they are martyrs they were murdered for their loyalty to Jesus and they now dwell in the very throne room of God they are dwelling there standing standing in the very presence of God. Whew. what a glorious thing that john witnessed there in heaven but what was described here of these tribulation great tribulation martyrs standing before the presence of god will be the life experience the eternal experience of all of god's people we discover in revelation 21 and 22 for eternity wipe away every tear from their eyes chapter 8 verse 1 we have the one more seal to be opened when he opened the seventh seal there was silence in heaven for about half an hour and i saw seven angels who stand before god and to them were given seven trumpets then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne. Now where have we heard of this altar before? The fifth seal, when the saints are crying out from under the altar, O Lord, how long, holy and true, before you avenge our blood upon those who dwell on the earth? This is that same altar of incense. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer what is a censer? It's a, typically made of brass. You put the incense in it and an ember in it. So, And then you swing it around. And I've been in uh, a, a, a... You want to really experience some vigorous worship. Go to a Russian or a Greek Orthodox <laughs> worship service. And they will put this the fire into the censer. With the inc- and this guy is the one I saw him. I mean, he's slinging this thing around. He's not being <laughs> no. He's <laughs> and this angel is slinging around the censer. And what does he do? Filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Now I want to, as we continue in the book of Revelation, we're going to find that on the earth, we've already had the introduction, though it's not clear, totally clear yet, with the white horse rider, and I indicated that's the beginning of the work of the Antichrist, the fellow who signs that seven-year mutual security pact with Israel. We're going to find on the earth there are two principal enemies of God the beast, the Antichrist. The other principal enemy of God is Babylon. Babylon is the elites of every age who have through every age, in every culture, in every nation, taken advantage of the people, the peasants. And my own suspicion is that the Antichrist is actually going to rise on the crest of a peasant rebellion against the elites, characterized in the book of Revelation as Babylon. Now I'm gonna, we're going to take a little step aside here for just a moment. In the book of Joshua, we've got two great battles that take place that bring the promised land into the hands of Israel. Israel, Moses goes up on Mount Pisgah, looks across the Jordan, and then dies. He could not lead the people across the Jordan because of his sin at the uh, rock, where he should have spoken to the rock, instead he struck the rock. And so jo- Joshua is going to lead the people. It's interesting, Joshua is not his original name. His original name is Hoshea. And for reasons never stated, Moses changed the name of Oshia to Jesus. Joshua, Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus. Same name, depending on what language you're stating it in. And then this fellow Joshua leads the people in. And what's the first big battle they have? The battle of Jericho. Now, what was the character of the battle of Jericho? Is that when they got to Jericho, God gave them very, very specific instructions. For six days, your army is to walk around, your your soldiers are to walk around Jericho and be absolutely, totally, 100% quiet. Do not say one single word. But they will be led by seven priests blowing seven ram's horns, seven trumpets. In the middle of the procession, will be the Ark of the Covenant. That is the only time God ever gave them orders to take the Ark of the Covenant into battle with them. That's the only time. And you're to march around Jericho silently with only the blowing of trumpets for six days. On the seventh day, you are to walk around the city seven times with nothing but the blowing of trumpets. Then when you're done with your seventh circuit around the city you are to shout with a great shout. And the walls of Jericho will come falling down. And then the men who were the spies that went in ahead of time will go into Jericho and they will bring Rahab the harlot and her family out to safety. Because she helped them i'm going to quote seven statements from the book of revelation the first one is right here chapter 8 verse 1 and there was silence in heaven for half an hour and to the seven angels that stand before god priestly it's priests that have the right to stand before god to the seven angels that stand before god were given seven trumpets when we get to chapter 11, when the seventh trumpet sounds, the Ark of the Covenant is brought out. And then, in chapter 17, we encounter this person, and this whole chapter is spent just detailing the reality of this person and the wickedness of it, the whore of Babylon. Well, as I indicated, the only person whose name we know from the entire city of Jericho was Rahab the whore. Rahab the harlot. And yet, here in chapter 17 of Revelation is the whore of Babylon. And then in chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, a mighty and strong angel came down from heaven and shouted with a loud voice Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And then, come out of her, my people, come out of Babylon, my people. In the same way that Rahab and her family were brought out safely. Seven statements in the book of Revelation that all match with the Jericho narrative. And then Israel is going to... What do they do in the book of Joshua? They meet these people called the Gibeonites who show up with... Uh, their moldy cheese and moldy bread and say, hey, we are from a long ways away and uh, we heard about you and we wanted to come and be, make an alliance with you. We're not among these Canaanites that you're supposed to slaughter. No, 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 no. But we know you're powerful. We know you're God's people. So we want to make an alliance with you. And without consulting God, they say, okay. And then they find out a couple days later they got lied to and they actually Gibeah is right here. <laughs> but they've made the agreement. And honor requires them to keep the agreement. And then Israel goes to the south. They go to the city of Ai, spelled A-I, but is pronounced Ai. And what do they do? They're down there. They, They destroy the city of Ai. And while they're down there, there's a fellow in the city of Jerusalem by the name of Adonai Zedek. Well, that sounds very familiar. In the book of Genesis we encounter this city for the first time, but it's not called Jerusalem, it's just called Salem. It becomes Jerusalem when the Jebusites take it over, and it becomes Jebusalem. and it just gets easier to say Jerusalem than Jerusalem, so it's Jerusalem. And so here's Melchizedek in the book of Genesis who blesses Abraham, which says he has higher standing in God's kingdom than Abraham. He blesses Abraham. He is a Christ figure. King of Jerusalem, and now we've got a fellow here in the time of Joshua named Adonai Zedek, Lord of Righteousness. Melchizedek, King of Righteousness. Adonai Zedek, Lord of Righteousness. Christ, Antichrist. Salem, Jerusalem. And he convinces there was a pact among all these Canaanite cities, hey, we're going to hang together, we're going to be in a confederacy together to, to defend ourselves against these invading Israelis, well, the Gibeonites broke the pact. While the it, while Israel's south here attacking the people of the city of Ai, let's get together, come out from behind our walled cities and attack and slaughter the Gibeonites. Well, they do this. And the Gibeonites send word to the Israelis down to the south, hey, we're being attacked and we've got an agreement. And so the Israelis do an overnight Swift march to the aid of the Gibeonites. They get there and the battle begins. And it states in the book of Joshua that God intervenes, God stops the sun. That's the day of the long, where the sun stands still in the sky. To extend the day. And more Canaanites are killed by the hailstones from heaven than by the swords of the Israelis. And the kings... Adonai Zedek and all the kings of the, all these other cities hide together in a cave. And they are discovered and they're dragged out and executed. And all those cities, just they just they because all the kings and soldiers got killed on the outside, they're easy prey for Israel. Let's look at these comparisons. Adonai Zedek is a type of a figure of the Antichrist. Sun-related miracle. When we get to the Battle of Armageddon, what's it going to happen? It's not going to be the sun standing still, but it's going to be the sun diminished in its light. So there's a sun-related miracle. Revelation 16, verses 13, 14, and 16. The deceiving spirits go out and bring the ten nations that have submitted themselves to the Antichrist. They come out and they are at banding together and they are attacking jerusalem but it says that deceiving spirits convict convince them to do this really dumb thing come out from your places of protection out here where you're wide open to getting nailed and they do it just as those men followed the instructions of adonai zedek revelation 16:16. 16, 16, they are gathered together against the gibeonites in the same way that uh, these people will be gathered together around Jerusalem. Revelation 16:21, great hail falls from heaven and destroys those armies. And actually goes throughout the earth, but it destroys those armies. Revelation uh, 6.15, which is the sixth seal, what are they doing? They're hiding, they're crying out to the caves and rocks to the rocks and mountains, hide us. And they're hiding in the caves. Fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb who sits on the throne. Revelation 19, 20 and 21. The kings, when Jesus comes out, what's going to happen? The kings are executed. Just as in Joshua chapter 10. And the, the Antichrist and the false prophet are cast immediately into the lake of fire. Revelation six nineteen, the cities of the nations fell. That's in the sixth seal. So you've got these eight things in the book of Revelation that are disclosed about the end times then the destruction of Antichrist that are prefigured in the experience of Israel in conquering Canaan. you got first the Jericho event, and then you've got this other event. So the um, uh, reason I'm bringing this out is prophecy isn't just... Words in writing, okay, this is going to happen. It's also events that take place that are replicated later, that are repeated later on a much larger scale, obviously. So I just wanted to share that, those two things. So the two principal enemies of God on the planet that are organized enemies are Babylon which has been his perpetual enemy through the ages, and Antichrist, but they're also enemies of one another. And, and in the Antichrist is going to actually, one of the, the things he's going to, when he calls on these ten nations to come to Jerusalem to destroy the Jews, they're going, they are going to destroy Babylon on the way. God is actually going to use the power of Antichrist to destroy the power of his other enemy, Babylon and then he will deal with antichrist so again chapter 8 verse hmm? yes Yeah, Rome is the uh, seven hill city. Well, it goes Babylon goes all the way back to after the flood. You've got Nimrod with the Tower of Babel and all that. That's the inception of the whole Babylon movement that actually spreads and is carried through into every nation. Yes, apparently. <laughs> Let me just read the first six verses of chapter 8, and then we'll call it an evening. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having the golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense was the prayers of the saints. What was the prayer of the saints in the fifth seal? When will you avenge our blood? On those who dwell on the earth, who have martyred us. And the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And what we're going to uh, see next week is that the first six of these seven trumpet judgments all take place in the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation. And when the seventh trumpet sounds, this is what we will see in chapter 11, is that when the seventh trumpet sounds, that is the inception of the last three and a half years, the Great Tribulation. And so that's preview of coming attractions. So any comments or questions? Our Lord Jesus Christ, we are so grateful that you are the Lord Jesus Christ. you That's not just a title, it is what you do. And we are so grateful that the strength the understanding that governs you and what is disclosed in the book of Revelation in the days to come is also what governs you now. It is just as characteristic of you now. Your strength is completely readily available to all of your people right now. Your understanding, your great, great, great shepherding work belongs to your people right now. We ask, that, Lord, what we are learning in the book of Revelation will not just be some distant lesson about future events, but it will also be a lesson about who you are and what you are now on behalf of your people. And we are so grateful that you are the same. As the Scripture says, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And all God's people said, Amen.